Life is busy. Disciple making is slow, but we can find rest and hope in Jesus. Welcome to 419 Moment of Encouragement, created to bring you short messages, scriptures, testimonies, and prayers to keep us focused on the kingdom of God and His promises. Hello, and welcome to this episode of A Moment of Encouragement. My name is Beth Laurie, and I'm your guide. Do you know the story of Job in the Bible? Job is a wealthy man living in the land of Uz, with his large family and extensive flocks. He is blameless and upright, always careful to avoid doing evil. One day, Satan, the adversary, appears before God in heaven. God boasts to Satan about Job's goodness, but Satan argues that Job is only good because God has blessed him abundantly. Satan challenges God that if given permission to punish the man, Job will turn and curse God. So God allows Satan to test this bold claim, but he forbids Satan to take Job's life in the process. In one day, Job receives four messages each bearing separate news that his livestock, servants, and ten children have all died due to meandering invaders and natural catastrophes. Job tears his clothes, shaves his head in mourning, but he still blesses God in his prayers. Satan appears in heaven again, and God grants him another chance to test Job. This time, Job is afflicted with horrible skin sores. His wife encourages him to curse God and to give up and die, but Job refuses, struggling to accept his circumstance and trust God. Then three of Job's friends come to visit him, sitting with Job in silence for seven days out of respect for his mourning. On the seventh day, Job speaks, beginning the conversation in which each of the four men share his thoughts of his affliction in a long and poetic statement. I will let you review the rest of the book and God speaking at the end, but I want you to focus with me here on Job 2, verses 11 through 13. Let me read it. When Job's three friends, Eliphaz, the Temanite, Beladad, the Shuhite, and Zophar, the Namahite, heard about all the troubles that had come upon Job. They set out of their home and met together by agreement to go and sympathize with him and comfort him. When they saw Job from a distance, they could hardly recognize him. They began to weep aloud, and they tore their robes and sprinkled dust on their heads. Then they sat on the ground with him for seven days and seven nights. No one said a word to him because they saw how great his suffering was. I really love that part of the story right there. There are many things that Job's friends did well, perfectly well, in this horrible situation in their first response. So first, they came to him. They stopped what they were doing, and they went to him, and they sat with him, and they wept with him. Romans twelve fifteen says, Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. 
See, his friends understood they needed to be with him just to be present next to him and share in Job's mourning because they cared for him. The next great thing they did was offer silence for a long time, as long as Job needed. To many Americans in our culture, we often like to fix people who are suffering. Maybe when you see someone faced with great loss, you might hear people say things like, Stay busy so you don't think about it. You'll be okay after a while. At least he's in a better place. He isn't suffering. At least he lived a long life. Many people die young. Or here's my favorite. You're going to grow from this. See, these comments tell people that their feelings do not matter or how they should feel instead of allowing to feel what they find is true and real. We often think we need wise words in time of loss, but we do not. Words can cause harm as it did to Job. His three friends were not helpful throughout the rest of the story. You can go and read it all. But in their first response, they did well. They offered presence, empathy, and silence. Words were not necessary. See, just sitting next to a person that is suffering is one of the best responses we can give. I realize this is hard. This is a hard teaching for some of us because silence can be awkward. Silence is challenging. In silence, we are not in charge. Our words cannot reframe the situation. Instead, in silence, we sit in the suffering and the pain. We notice our feelings, our hurt, our lack of control over everything in our life, and we process it all. Silence is good for us, and it's good for others. God's Word says He provides for our every need, and if God has given us everything we need, then the comfort and the peace and the hope and suffering can be found in prayer, in contemplation, Bible study, and lastly, in wise counsel. See, there are a few times where we do need to talk things out with a trusted, wise person. But healing comes after rest and receiving. God wants us to, God wants to counsel us and help us. That's his job. But in a world of distraction, we can only receive what Jesus has if we stop and we listen for the Holy Spirit, our true guide, our true comforter. When I met with people in spiritual direction, I make space for them to share, reflect, and feel heard. I offer silence after their words for them to think and to listen to the Holy Spirit. It is a time for them to ponder and discern what the Holy Spirit might be saying. It is a sacred space for them to interact with God, the God of the universe, and receive what he has for them. It's the most beautiful thing to witness. Silence is a gift. My encouragement for you today, dear friends, is to offer silence instead of solutions. Be with people without fixing them. 
trust that God can give them what they need, or at least wait until they ask for advice. Most people want to be heard, not solved. People are not problems to be fixed. They are in process, and God is working in their life. Be a good friend, listen well, and offer silence and empathy. As we close, ponder this quote for the day. Speak only when what you have to say is better than the silence. See you next week. Join us next time as we stay faithful and find joy in our journey with Jesus.